bold vision, inspirational leadership, drive, determination, creativity. Welcome to Secrets of Staffing Success, a podcast where we talk to innovators and thought leaders in the staffing industry to discover the strategies and tactics that make these top performers stand out. And here are your hosts, the co-CEOs of Haley Marketing, Victoria Kenward and David Cerns. Do you belong to a mastermind group? Way back in 1925, author Napoleon Hill coined the term mastermind group. And in his book, Think and Grow Rich, one of my all-time favorites and uh, the foundation of just about every modern management consultant, he talks about the importance of mastermind groups, putting together two or more people working in harmony to solve problems. In the business world, there are many mastermind groups, Vistage, YPO, and in Haley Marketing, Vicki and I are both members of EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. But in the staffing industry, there's only one organization that offers mastermind groups for CEOs, CFOs, and directors of marketing. And that organization is Vices Group. Today on Secrets of Staffing Success, Vicki and I talk with Tom and Catherine Kosnick, the founders of Vices. We cover a wide variety of topics that range from the massive push towards digital transformation in the industry, the obstacles that get in the way and keep staffing companies from growing to the next level, why the CMO role has suddenly become more important than the VP of sales, the likely impact of remote work and internal operations for staffing companies, and the secrets of working together with your spouse for more than two decades. Secrets of Staffing Success is brought to you by Haley Marketing. Now, this podcast is being recorded in March 2021. And just this month, our recruitment marketing team has seen the cost per job application increase by an incredible 36%. And the number of applies has gone down by 18%. If your business is being impacted by what's going on right now in the recruiting world, I encourage you to reach out to our recruitment marketing team. We'll be happy to review your current recruiting strategies, look at how and where you're spending your advertising dollars, and provide you with specific recommendations to ensure your ad budget is going to the right jobs and the right job boards. Implement automation to make better advertising decisions in real time. Eliminate overspending on your advertising using data to drive decision-making. And outside of your advertising, work with you to improve social media recruiting, as well as conversion rates on your company website. And best of all, we'll be happy to do this whole review and all these recommendations at no charge. If you'd like us to review your recruitment marketing, please give us a call at 1-888-696-2900 or visit us at our recruitment marketing website, recruitmentmarketers.com. So Vicki, here we are getting ready for our next episode of Secrets of Staffing Success, and this one should be a fun one. Um, we were just talking with Tom and Catherine, and that they reminded us of when we first met them back in 1998. Uh, at the time, you were pregnant with our second child, and I was figuring out how to be a speaker in the staffing industry, and uh, Tom gave me a shot to talk to one of his president's roundtables. So today we're really excited to have Tom Kosnick and Catherine Kosnick, who are the co-founders of Vices Group. Uh, you may know Vices Group. They do the president's roundtables. They do the CFO roundtables, marketing directors roundtables, and a lot of management consulting in the industry. So Tom and Catherine, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, David. So can you guys believe it's been this many years that we've known each other and we've been in this industry? It's funny how uh, Catherine just reminded me today that on uh, July 18th, we're going to be celebrating our 29th wedding anniversary. And I'm like, 29 years, my gosh, I had to go walk around the block a couple of times. Like, <laughs> I, where did, the, where did 29 years go? Know that it happens feeling. fast. It happens really fast, doesn't it? 
so fast. But yes, I was telling someone that we've known you guys forever and being in the industry and working together and um, Haley Marketing has been good friends of ours. I don't, I don't remember how David, I think David, you reached out to me about speaking at one of my roundtables, and we got on the phone and uh, I saw you had a master's degree from Wharton School of Business. And I thought, well, boy, God, I got to snag that. Yeah, I fooled you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fun. And it's been, uh, it's been an amazing journey since. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the staffing industry, but I'd actually like to start with sort of the discussion we're having. So Vicki and I have been business partners now for, it'll be 25 years this mm-hmm. August. Uh, not, and Vicki, I guess maybe I should mention our first venture where we got our real MBAs. No, um, you should. You should. People should know those stories. So we actually started a software company when I got out of graduate school and Vicki and I moved back home and we both had degrees in IT and let's just say it, it, it didn't go very well. We got our, uh, our MBAs in the few years we were trying to get that business off the ground. But uh, Tom and Catherine, so you, know, you guys have been working together for a long, long time. How do you make it work? A lot of patience, I would say, and commitment. It's commitment to each other and commitment to the business. Um, we love the staffing industry and we love our customers. We're really committed to uh, our customers, uh, helping them succeed in the industry and watching them, helping them grow their business. Yeah, I, I, would, I would have to say that, uh, boy, uh, owning, anybody that owns their own business, there's so many pressures, so many struggles. I, I was trying to think, gosh, the pandemic, the Great Recession, the Y2K recession. I think there was another one in there, David, we lived through. And, uh, you know, there were times where I'd say to Catherine, hey, like we've got to seriously tighten up the belt. And uh, she comes from a family of entrepreneurs and whatnot. And, uh, and she hung in there with me. So just having the faith and whatnot. So that's one, that was one big piece of it. And uh, we, were, we were reminiscing on, uh, uh, as we were kind of getting ready for this, we were rem- reminiscing on, uh, I, I said, oh, I remember one time showing up uh, at the house at three o'clock in the morning after one of my round tables. <laughs> it had been raining like crazy and somebody bought like seven umbrellas. And so there I was with seven umbrellas and some leftover steak from the Chicago Chop House. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've seen you after some of those meetings. I thought that story was going to go in a very different direction. Oh, that was called forgiveness. Yeah. So, 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 you know, a spouse that understands the up and downs and, and that has a big uh, forgiving heart <laughs> is, uh, is how, and, and I'd say, I'd say the other, the other thing is, is that, you know, we can scrap and then it's over. Like we make a decision and we move on and uh, there's no, like hanging on to, you know, bad feelings or whatever. And, and we've kind of learned, we really have learned how to do that. And, and that's been really, it's been healthy for our marriage and healthy for our business. Uh, Cause in the yeah. end, in the end, I mean, Catherine's got to tell me things that I'm, you know, might not be doing right and whatnot. Yeah. I feel the same way about that. Tom. When we have our leadership team meetings, there, there are times when David and I will kind of go at it a little bit and I feel badly for our leadership team who's watching this thing happen. And then we are like, we're done. We're good. We, we came to resolution. There's nothing that's going to leave that room or it'd be a problem for us going forward. But I don't think that everybody else understands the, the that. The headlights time. look gives it away. <laughs> it scares people, yeah. but we've been doing this for so long. We know how to do it and we're, we're okay with it. And it, it doesn't impact our marriage in a negative way. In fact, it probably makes it stronger. We were, we were driving down Lakeshore Drive uh, one time and Catherine says, would you like my opinion? We were talking about something with the business. And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> How was the couch that night? <laughs> exactly. So, of course, later that night after, after a martini, I said, okay, all right. Well, tell me what your opinion is on this subject. You know? So just... You know how that is. Give me, give me enough rope. Let me, let me solve it a little bit, and I'll come back. Yeah, I think you guys, you know, and this is for a lot of spousal com- couples, excuse me, that are running businesses. I think you guys are a lot like us in that each of you has really adopted very distinct roles. Uh, is that the case? Oh, for sure, very much so. I 
definitely know where my position and my role is uh, within the FISIS group. Um, uh, definitely on the customer service side. Um, and Tom really is great with um, just servicing the customer when it gets to uh, more on the technical side of things and um, facilitating the roundtables. Yeah, there's there's many times where I mean we're we're working in a small office in downtown Chicago. There's many times where uh, we don't even talk to each other through the day because Catherine's working on so much stuff. I'm working on so much stuff, and uh, and she's got a we got a schedule time during the workday <laughs> to uh, uh, to uh, work uh, uh, talk about things and whatnot. We're similar. Like we work very distinctly and away from each other and have our own roles. And, but almost every single day we have lunch together and it turns into a conversation about work and business and occasionally our kids. But <laughs> I, I would say the other thing that's really, that we've done, I feel we've done really well. And, and that is we hardly ever talk about business or these big business issues when we're at home. So we, we successfully been able to, you know, keep home uh, just with the kids or whatever, whatever's going on, you know, with, with the home stuff. So that's good. I think we failed at that skill, Vicki. No, we, uh, we don't have that skill at all. <laughs> Our kids well, say, all you do is work together. All you do is work. <laughs> yeah. Some, I don't know. Maybe it's because we get home late. Then <laughs> there's not much time <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> Well, let's take a let's take a pivot. Um, one of the things that's really great about your business is you work with lots of different staffing companies. And I was looking at your website, uh, guys, and you know I noticed the roundtables. You've even further segmented the president's roundtables by the revenue of the participants. So with the under fifteen million and the fifteen to eighty million and eighty million and up. So I'm sure you're seeing lots of different perspectives on what's going on in the staffing industry. So we've come through the weirdest year that I've ever seen in staffing. Um, if, if you went back a year ago and asked me to take out my crystal ball and forecast the rest of 2020, I would have got it completely wrong. But um, it's a strange time, but an, an interesting time. So what kinds of things are you guys seeing and, and how does it vary by company size? Well, we're seeing a lot of trends um, in the industry. And I would say that technology, technology is big. Uh, and that would be the digital marketing, mobile, and robotic automation, and the that we're seeing. Yeah, that's a that's that's the that's probably one big trend is all those. Uh, well, on the recruiting end, your your clients, David and, and Vicky, uh, the number one issue and the number one issue for the next five six years is going to be recruiting, and so. The job boards, the you know the, fa the Facebook, uh, the uh, candidate engagement, utilizing the database, fully utilizing the database. Uh, whether we do an on-demand platform, whether we don't do an on-demand flat platform, mobile. How do we adequately use mobile? Those are like that's like a huge. Uh, I, you do, we we have clients now that are ten million in revenue that are adopting the shift gigs and work in business models. And uh, so that's a, that's a real, that's a big trend. And uh, tell us more they, you know, one of the things I've been curious about is the, the getting the adoption rate when you, when you purchase those mobile apps and it seems like if it's part of your service process, like this is how you do time entry. This is uh, where you do check all your reporting that it's going to work for your staffing business. But also a lot of people I think want to become the next mini Uber of staffing in their marketplace. And what are you guys seeing are, are, the smaller companies getting adoption of their apps, is it working for them? You know, it's just a change management plan, right? And, and it's where the rubber meets the road. So uh, where they have the greatest challenge is getting their recruiters to change their, their behavior and adopt the new technology. That's, that's where the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the challenge, the change, the change management is. So if they are able to successfully uh, have a change management plan like that, and include their recruiters in developing that plan and understanding the business model that they're implementing on, they have a much higher success rate at, uh, at, uh, at developing those tools, tools or implementing those tools. And, and, and of course, you guys know this, you've got to have full support 
and, and enrollment from the executive leadership team. I mean, if you've got a half-hearted, uh, oh, we're going to try this for three months, I mean, forget it. Don't, you're wasting your money. It's, because uh, yeah, uh, it is a different business. It is a different business model. Right. Seems like it comes back down to the why. So getting everybody, all the shareholders to understand why we need to try this new technology and embrace the change. And oh. that's what change usually comes down to, right? Understand that why. Absolutely, right. absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, the, another trend that I'm starting to see is that the CMO is becoming far more important than the vice president of sales. Interesting. And, and, and the reason, and there's some literature actually out there on this. And, uh, and I've had, uh, David, I've talked to several people in the marketing roundtable about this whole concept. But when you think about it, the CMO of these larger staffing companies, even, even the middle market staffing companies, they're working with recruiters uh, on recruiting, job board, ads. Like a lot, a lot of my clients would just even take all the writing of the ads out of the hands of the recruiters and they just centralize that. Uh, but all the tools, the AI tools, the database maintenance. So on the candidate side, then you got, okay, we get them, we get them placed. Now there's all the candidate engagement tools and the campaigns that you have to build. Then there's the sales side. Right. LinkedIn Navigator, Zoom Info, uh, uh, building lists, uh, 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 branding, personal brand, company branding on LinkedIn, personal branding on LinkedIn, LinkedIn training. So that's that's all that. Oh, that, and then you've got the internal employees, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, the marketing of you know, the website and all that stuff. I gave a presentation for one of these local chapters of the American Staff Association. Uh, which uh, I'm a full supporter of, great organization. Uh, and I started listing out all the things that have to happen. And, you know, and by the time I got done with the slide, you know, it, it built, you know, there, there were like 37 things out there. All that, all that stuff is reporting into the CMO. And uh, it's, it's, so what's happening is, uh, what, what's happening is that CMOs become more, 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 uh, more important than the, than, the, uh, than the vice president of sales. It's funny you say that because we uh, we were having lunch today, and as usual, we were talking business. And one of the, one of the things we were debating about is all the services that our company provides. And Vicky was saying, you know, it's hard to stay good at everything when you're doing so many things. But to your point, the the marketing stack. I mean, everybody talks about the tech stack, but the marketing stack has grown. You now need to be good at digital marketing. You need to be good at content marketing. You need to be good at um, all of the technology pieces that have to play together. And there's so many individual point solutions that do one thing that now we got to tie them all together. Uh, it's really complicated. And as you said, and then it all flows back to how are you supporting sales and how are you supporting recruiting? So those people can do their jobs more efficiently and you can serve your clients and candidates in better ways. Uh, it's I, well, good news is one of the things that's kept us in business, but our business has changed so much, oh um, particularly God. in the last five to six years. Yeah. Yes. Last, last, last two and a half years. But that leads to the third trend that I'm seeing, and that is increased operating expenses. And so when you add on, on these tools and then you add on people that have to uh, administer and manage these tools, uh, increased salaries for your internal uh, people and the, the, just the whole development of marketing to team and whatnot. So yeah, I'm seeing a lot of companies where the, the operating expenses keep going up and up and up. And, uh, and, and, and specifically speaking to, to those tools, it's like, okay, let's put a measure on the front end gross profit production per internal uh, producer or revenue per internal producer. We implement the tool, maybe pilot it somewhere. I mean, if that tool does not increase the GP production per internal employee, you, you're wasting your money. There's something's wrong. And, and so understanding one thing, marketing stack, tech stack, all that stuff, but is it actually making your people more efficient and more effective? And, uh, and that's where a lot of staffing companies are challenged, big time challenged with uh, with the new with the new tools and things that are coming out on the marketplace. I feel like you don't know and you can't really forecast that because it's so new, and you have to actually implement and see how you can get it into your team. So you've got a huge investment before 
you know whether you're going to increase your efficiency and effectiveness and it's going to pay off. Are you yeah. seeing anything different? Yeah, There's a way around that. No, I would say pilot. Just you, you got to figure out how to pilot the the change, either in an office or with a with a pod. Just figure out how to pilot it and 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 measure the measure the results. Yeah. It's really part of your business strategy and knowing the business strategy. It you know it's like the tech stack, right? Uh, as David said, I mean it's your marketing technology does it really fit within your business model and because it's always changing and there's always new things out there and you can always i mean we have one company that has every bell and whistle when it comes to marketing and we saw his flow chart and oh my gosh my head was spinning i i mean i couldn't keep up with it he had so many things going on with it and as, as far as marketing and um See, it's not uh, just us. I'm just yeah. looking at I'm just looking at the bottom line, seeing how small it was. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say, are there measurements? Do we have measurements along the way for all those tools? Because each one of those is an expense and you're siphoning off that profit. Right. So that's why, you know, taking them back to, you know, really what is your business model? What are you trying to accomplish? You know. How, how much is it costing you? And are you really getting your ROI on, on all of this? So because you guys deal with three very different types of staffing decision makers, the C-level executives, the CFOs, and I'm going to separate them. I know there's still a C there. And the uh, directors of marketing. When it comes to these investments and specifically, Tom, with that last issue of increasing operating expenses versus the need to invest in technology and marketing, how do those three audiences look at it? What's, what are the differences? Yeah, I, so um, across, all, across all three of the C-suite the that you just mentioned, uh, we find two things. It's tale of two cities. You, you either have C-suite people that are looking at all this, all this stuff as a threat, or you, are, you have people that are looking for this as an opportunity. So for example, um, you know, Tale of Two Cities, we've got one client, these two, we met these clients that are both 100 million in revenue, thereabout. And one client, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the C-suite, they're always complaining about millennials. Uh, you know, how terrible <laughs> millennials are, how they, they can't, you can't keep them for more than two years and all the training, they want to be managers after a month and all that. The, the other company, uh, quote unquote, we're trying to figure out how to give the company to the millennials. And wow. so like fast forward, you know, five years later, uh, the one company that's always complaining is still hundred million in revenue. And the other company is trying to give the company to millennials is 350 million in revenue. Holy cow. Yeah. So, so, you know, how do they look at it differently? I think overall is they look at all the change and all the technology either as a threat or they look at it as a as a uh, as a big opportunity for uh, for growth and whatnot. And 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 obviously, you know, the CF the CFOs are you know they're, they're you got two kinds of CFOs. You got those that are just trying to manage budgets and control costs and all that stuff. And then you got CFOs that are entrepreneurs. Right. And, and those CFOs are you know they're they're going to be looking at you know hey how can we how can we adopt this technology and and build and, alliances and look for mergers and acquisitions and really help grow their businesses um, the move, C it, move into different markets. And the CMOs, they wet their pants every day when they come into work because yeah. they said, Mike, <laughs> I am more valuable today than I was yesterday. Right. And I'm going to be more valuable tomorrow, tomorrow than I am today. Yeah, but they're being held more accountable too. So there's a, there's a trade-off. <laughs> it's not just about pretty pictures anymore. Um, no, it's not, and not about mailers, right? Gosh, you think about do you think about how that job title has changed in the last three years? It's amazing. Well, let's uh, let's let's look at the last year. So, when I mentioned earlier that uh, was certainly a strange year, one we couldn't forecast. But what did you guys see? How did your clients and the roundtables? How did they? adopt to the changing marketplace and what the winners do versus the ones who weren't quite so lucky? 
Yeah, I would say that, of course, everybody had to, uh, well, in the light industrial sector, uh, we've got a lot of clients that never shut their doors, ever, and, and figured out how to keep their doors open. So, you know, they, they did well. They were down, obviously, less than uh, the other ones were down. And uh, so that, that the professional quickly shifted to this virtual and remote work situation and hats, hats off to the industry because the industry really, people responded pretty quickly to this remote working thing and people working from home and all that stuff. I mean, thank God, you know, the restaurants and bars and gyms were closed. <laughs> we, 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 I, did this, I did this research project for a client on remote working and they, what's the perfect profile for somebody working at, uh, remotely? And it's like, they've got to, they got to be highly, uh, they got to be highly organized. They have to be super focused. They have to be, uh, uh, they have to be slightly introverted on and on. You, you read through this list and I say, I've never met a salesperson or recruiter in the industry that fits this profile. <laughs> yet, yet they, uh, yet they, uh, yet they did. Um, but anyway, they, so they, they were able to, to the professional staffing firms, they were able to adopt to the remote work and, and, uh, and keep things, things going. And, uh, and, and then some of it was just simple luck, right? You, they, you, we were servicing businesses that were essential. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I've got one client that grew like almost double their revenue because, you know, their, their top clients were food manufacturing. So it, uh, yeah, I saw that in healthcare. It was really interesting. Some of our travel nurse clients where um, first they thought it was going to be a boom and it was a bust because all the elective surgeries got put on hold. Um, but then they pivoted and with crisis pay rates, uh, they ended up having a fantastic year. And it's just, it, but they've been on this incredible roller coaster and the roller coaster they're on has not stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's accurate. Uh, but again, I think uh, they also were very willing to adopt the technology of uh, the mobile mobile devices and mobile platform, on-demand platform, which, you know, that really helped these companies um, pivot and grow and help just like these, uh, the healthcare. I mean, some of these healthcare companies have just exploded due to their on-demand platforms. I think it was coming anyway, but it happened fast. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we were going to see this if the pandemic didn't happen. We were going to see this probably over the next five years. And we happened to condense that into one year. And those companies that were adaptable and that could pivot quickly survived and thrived. And the other ones are still struggling and may or may not recover. So was it easier for your big clients to pivot or your small clients? Boy, that's a good question. Um, it seemed like the middle market did better. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of makes sense. Like they have the, the nice balance of they have enough money to be able to throw at the investments and enough, enough human capital to throw at the investments, but they're not so weighed down by size that they can't implement change. And that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's just the, the large, the large clients. Depending upon, you know, gosh, if you were in the auto sector, I mean, I, I remember the day as if it was yesterday when General Motors and Ford and Chrysler said they were shutting down all their plants, and then, you know, what was it? Oh my gosh! I mean, I just like, I think I left work at like two o'clock in the afternoon and went home. I'm like, in the we live in the Midwest. I mean, that is just that's seismic, you know. Uh, uh, and, and that just threw my large clients into a tailspin. And, um, you know, and so then, and then you've got these large stats. So like immediately, well, who do we furlough? Do we furlough? Do we lay off? Who do we lay off? Do we like cut the people in half, half time? And, uh, and are we going to keep offices open or not keep, you know, and remember the early, the early days, uh, like we didn't know anything about the virus. So, you know, can you touch anything? Does it float in the air for uh, two days? And, uh, all that craziness that, oh my gosh. Uh, but it, it just, the task for those larger clients was just enormous in terms of like making those decisions, you know, versus the 
So I guess it was easier for the smaller ones to pivot because they just didn't have the mass numbers of employees or, or offices that they needed to. Oh my gosh. I mean, I have clients that have, you know, whatever, you know, 35, 50 offices and negotiating, going to the people that are paying leases to and negotiating <laughs> some kind of lease reduction deal, you know, just I just wrap your head around that. It's just, uh, very, very challenging. Talk about the leases. I saw that Salesforce, I think it was in January last year, closed on their new $1.1 billion headquarter building in San Francisco, which basically has been sitting empty for a year. And they're trying to figure out who they're going to make come back to work in 2021 and who will be permanently remote, which I think is a challenge we're all facing. Um, as we go through this year, what are you guys seeing? Is, are, do you think the staffing industry is going to all go back to fully being the office? Will it stay split that the industrial are mostly in the office and the professionals will stay remote? What, what do you think will happen with our workforce? Yeah, I, I think, and I've been doing a lot of reading on this. I think it's an 80, it's, it's going to settle into an 80, 20. Uh, and that is like 80% of the day, 80% of the work time is going to be in the office and 20% is going to be remote. Uh, I think a little bit easier for like salespeople to be, to be remote and things like that. Uh, and again, it depends on, but there's, there's research out there that shows that uh, sales teams are actually uh, far less effective in closing deals and hitting numbers, hitting uh, targets than teams, sales teams that are working together. And some of that is H HBR stuff, and some of it's from other other uh, OD programs and things like that. But uh, in the end, look, I mean, uh, there's one study I read where uh, employees of uh, this company adopted a, uh, a remote work uh, for anybody, and uh, you know most of their employees went remote, and and after three four months, they all came back to work because they just, the collaboration, like all that stuff that, uh, that people want in, in a work environment. They, they quickly felt uh, uh, disenfranchised from the company, disconnected, you know, Isolation. all that stuff, isolated. Look, and in the end, the reality is, is that very few people can, <laughs> very few people can effectively work from home. You know, they, they, they can't manage the TV, they can't manage the refrigerator, and they can't manage the bed. You know, it says, those are like the big three. And uh, uh, I swear, when I think I'm going to work a half a day at home, it's like a magnet. I mean, Amazon knows I'm at home working. <laughs> you know, it's the doorbells ringing, the neighbors knocking, like the, the eater guy wants to read the, it's like, oh, forget it, I'm going to work. So I, I, I think in the end, there's a lot of talk about we're going to, Oh, we're going to have, we're going to stay remote and we're going to get rid of our office. That's a, that's not a prudent decision. I think in the end, we're going to settle into an 80, 20, 80% in the office, 20% working remote. I would agree. I would agree on that. So as we look forward to, to this year, um, when you look at your clients, what do you think besides the, where, where they're working, what do you think they're going to start to do differently in 2021? Well, I think companies are um, going to be looking more for um, digital marketing is going to be big. The mobile on-demand platforms are going to be really important to them. And robotic automation is going to be significant. So those are going to be the three uh, keystones uh for adaptation for 2021. Yeah, that digital, the digital marketing and the mobile, that's all on the recruiting end. Recruiting is going to be the number one issue. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know if you agree with me on that or not, but uh, like getting sales, um, getting the right kind of sales might be an issue, but uh, recruiting, 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 and more recruiting. And in uh, and, and, and the professional jobs, we're, we're basically at, we're, we're basically a fully deployed workforce in the professional field. The people that are, the people that are sitting on the couch now, that 2% that we've lost in the, uh, the non the participation rate. I mean, we're at like 63%, we should be up at 65%, but those are all, you know, those are all under $40,000 a year jobs. That's entertainment, that's uh, hotels, that's uh, low end manufacturing, you know, that sort of thing. <clears throat> so yeah, hospitality certainly, uh, obviously been crushed by, by COVID and 
uh, I know I was talking with the CEO of a hospitality company up in the Boston area, and he said, I, I, I can't do anything but plan for when it comes back. There's nothing I can do to generate hospitality business in the short run. He said, but when it comes back, there's so much pent up demand and the industry is not going to be able to supply it. So he's working now on all kinds of strategies to implement starting this summer and next fall, thinking about even when that segment bounces back. Hey. I think it's going to be a, they're going to flip a switch and it's going to be overnight that they're trying to fill those jobs. And then you've got that same recruiting issue in that area in hospitality. Recruiting, 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 recruiting. Right. That's, that's what our, our, our folks, our clients, your clients are going to try to try all kinds of new ways to, to do that. Um, and you know, the other, the other interesting thing, uh, David and Vicki, that I'm starting, uh, that I'm seeing is that uh, the sales teams are consciously being uh, redesigned and shrunk. And what I mean by that is that in our industry, the business model typically has been these uh, quote unquote account managers. Well, what staffing companies now are doing is that they're redesigning their sales function where the sales team are 100% business development folks. They go out, knock down doors, bring in new accounts, and then they transition that account into an inside hybrid recruiter slash account manager. And, um, and so, well, what that means is that we don't, they don't need as many, you know, high priced sales account managers. They're, they're, they're so, Get back to that whole thing of increasing operating expenses. Well, how can I, well, how can I take my, these work tasks or these work functions and redesign them to be more efficient and more effective? That's another, that's another thing you're going to see a lot of staffing companies start to start. To, I've, I've already seen the trend ha happening. And, uh, but we're going to see more of it. That's for sure. No, it makes sense changing the model. I, I saw a statistic, um, it wasn't just a staffing industry, but salespeople who are used to selling face-to-face -face saying, are they more effective in person or they learn to be more effective remote? And after a year, 73% still said, we're not really that good remote. Um, so it's going to be, it, it is a, that, to me, that's where the sales challenge is because I think the, I, the days of knocking on doors and getting into offices, um, those aren't coming back anytime soon. And so that means that our salespeople have to get better at strategies for how they approach prospects, how they differentiate themselves, how they create a reason for someone to talk to them uh, and not just send 10,000 more LinkedIn connection requests or cold emails. So one of the things guys that you guys do because you work with companies of different sizes and you've, see, you've got 20 plus years of history seeing how companies grow. What would you say are some of the things that companies must do when they're trying to break through to that next level. What, everybody hits a glass ceiling in their own business at some point, but usually there's you know, one around $10 million for the small companies and there's another one sometime between 25 and 50 and you get another one around that 100 million. How do your clients break through? Yeah, that's, um, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the greatest obstacle is not the fact that we've got a candidate short market. The greatest obstacle is not that we've got uh, competitors and emerging competitors. Uh, the greatest obstacle is not the new guidelines that the government is putting in place. The greatest obstacle and why most companies don't break through is that the founder, the senior leaders, they have an internal obstacle. Either they don't see it, they don't believe it, they don't, they don't have the why, Vicky, that you were talking about. They don't, mm -hmm. they don't really, they don't really grasp, they don't, they, they, they can't get people excited about uh, the opportunity, about the future, and on and on and on. So first and foremost, I would say that that is that, I mean, the business is not going to change unless unless the, the founder, the president, the, the, the owner has got that, uh, is able to address those internal, those internal obstacles. And part of that, uh, part of that has to do with, uh, part of that has to do with getting uncomfortable, getting, getting uncomfortable with your own, uh, your own uh, uh, sand traps or dry spots or, or, uh, uh, we all have limits, right? And so we comfort zone. So we, 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 
we've got to get out of our comfort zone and, and, uh, we've, we've got to talk to people. I, I always tell people the best thing, like I, I get, I get clients that call me up and say, Hey Tom, you know, I, I want to be, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to be in a round table, but I only want to be in a round table of it staffing firms between five and 25 million in revenue. And, uh, yeah, and I tell, I always tell them the same thing. Your best idea, your best ideas to help you grow your business is, are, is going to come from people that know the industry, but they don't look like you. They don't talk like you and they don't dress like you. And that's the whole creative thing. So that's the, that's the, you know, I would say that is the biggest challenge, strategic planning, comp plan, redesign, uh, 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 picking a technology an ATS system and implementing it. I mean, that stuff is, that stuff's easy compared to the internal, uh, you know, I, I, you got, if the company wants to grow, the senior leaders have to grow. Right. That's, I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes sense. No, that's the, the... It makes perfect sense. It's exactly what we're seeing as well internally for us. And we were seeing it with some of our clients as well. This is the exact same thing. You really, what you said, the last the statement you said that the leaders have to grow for the company to grow, that is so important and it's so missed on so many levels. And then you just keep hitting your head against that ceiling. But if you don't change, you're never going to break through. That's right. Yeah. 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 It's uh, good work. It's good work. You know, we. Uh... All right. So let's um, let's bring it home and list some some final advice for the people listening in. So if you were running a staffing company and you had to pick your top priority for 2021, what would you focus on doing? I would look at the culture, uh, cultural development and employee engagement. That would be big on my list. And that would be um, just looking at how the culture is within my organization and really keeping my employees engaged and re-engaged uh, and keeping them excited about the company, um, and continued leadership development and growing, growing as a leader. Excellent. Great advice. Yeah. And I, I would say two things. Uh, the manager is the key to success. So figure out, figure out how to hire really good, competent, branch managers or managed sales managers, operation managers, invest. There, there is nothing more important to invest in than management training for your managers. There's, and that's just not the staffing industry. So man, the, the manager is the key to the success of, 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 uh, of, of any staffing company. And then the other thing is really adopting a customer centric approach. And, and customer centric, I mean, that's like, you got to have a nice, very well-defined ideal client profile and you have to have approach in how you, in, how you engage and how you, uh, 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 what kind of information you feed back to them and, and all that. So those would be the 2021, those would be the things I'd be, I'd say, I'd focus on. Those are really great. All three of those are really great. And I couldn't agree more. But I also think that they are true every single year, right? 2021, 2020, it was the same thing. And it probably always felt in my 25 years of Haley Marketing Group, those three things are probably always what we should be focusing on. That's right. Yeah, look at, look at the little, look, look at how much, uh, look how uh, little dollars we invest in training managers in this industry. It's, well, it's, it's easy to throw money at technology and think that's gonna solve the problem. But I think you said at the very beginning, uh, Technology has changed management. And if you don't have the right culture, if you don't have the right leadership, uh, no amount of technology is going to get you to the next level. Uh, all it's going to do is make you do bad things faster. We're in the people business, right, David? And your people are your most expensive cost to your organization. And if you don't keep them engaged and trained, you know, it's just, they're not, it's not valuable to you or your organization. I think that cultural fit of those people as well. It's that right people in the right seats kind of situation. And often that is just a matter of training 
and, you know, hiring really well and training. Right. All right, guys. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I've got, hopefully everybody you didn't hear me writing because I was taking pages of notes as you guys were uh, describing all these points of advice for the industry. But I want to thank you both very much for coming on the show. If people want to know more about Vices Group or connect with either one of you, what's the best way to reach out? www.vicesgroup.com and uh, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you and uh, get you engaged with us. The, uh, the word Vices means vision and we help entrepreneurs reach their dreams. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks, Thank guys. You. So great to see you. You too. Thanks, Thanks Dave. So, Vicki, it's always fun to talk to Tom and Catherine. I really enjoyed getting a chance to catch up with them. Haven't talked to them in a long time. They had lots of good stuff to share about staffing, but let's start with my favorite lesson of the show, one that hits close to home, spouses working together. So, for Tom and Catherine... 20 years of marital bliss and the secret of their success, working side by side, it comes down to having separate roles. Uh, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, we've always worked that way too, right? We've always had our own separate roles, but I think it also comes down to a lot of patience and being able to separate work from home. I think Tom said, you know, have a, have a, a scrap and then let it go. And, and that's so true. Like you can't take it home with you. Otherwise you destroy your marriage. Hey, we've made it. Come on. <laughs> and you know, I never turn it off. <laughs> well, we don't leave it at the office as much as they seem to. <laughs> uh, another thing I wanted to really ask you about was Tom and Catherine's view on people coming back to the office. I know you've been thinking that for our team, they expect 80% of the staffing industry back in the office. But we just talked to our team last week and the majority wanted to be in the office one day a week, two days, few that were three days. And what, that's a lot less than 80% back to the office. If you think about our clients in the staffing industry, what are your thoughts on the future of remote work for salespeople and recruiters? Well, I think it's going to vary by the role. So salespeople and recruiters tend to be social people, and they tend to be more productive in a group environment, and they need that social aspect. So I think you may see that 80% in that group. But when you get to behind the scenes, you know, payroll, back office, you may not see 80% out of that group. It's a different um, personality type that makes them excellent at their roles. So I think we're going to see it all over the place, but it's going to depend on who you are, what your personality is, and what you're really good at, and what makes you thrive. And the salespeople already like working out of their cars anyway, so I don't <laughs> think they're going to all come back to the office. We'll see, I guess. Um, you know... Tom mentioned at some point about CMO role and how it's become more important than the VP of sales. And I know that that's kind of an interesting for you. What's your thought? Um, I think the VP of sales listening to this aren't going to like that very much, but it really is interesting because if you think about how marketing has changed. So 25 years ago, marketing barely played a role at all in the staffing industry. It was maybe job advertising. And then it grew into branding and just what you're known about. And today it permeates everything we're doing in sales and recruiting. So if you're integrating marketing with your sales process, your salespeople are going to be more productive. If you're doing content and inbound marketing, you're getting that lead generation for your organization. And recruitment marketing has exploded as a field as both in the staffing industry or corporate HR, all of a sudden that's become a marketing and technology function. But is the CMO more important than the VP of sales in the staffing industry? Not yet. I don't think so. I'd love to say that it is. I think the marketing function, though, needs to play a role that crosses over. And between the head of sales, the head of recruiting, and that CMO, putting the three together, that really is the ultimate power play for a staffing company today. Yeah, that's a sweet spot. They're on the same team. They need to play, play nice together. Before we wrap up today, I just want to chat about one other thing that sort of ties back to our last show with Derek and, and the EOS and getting your business to the next level. I know that's what Tom's doing and Catherine doing with the President's Roundtable and their consulting. Um, I wasn't surprised to learn that the founder is often the biggest barrier to growth and that breakthrough growth tends to happen when you get out of your comfort zone or as Tom put it, get out of your own sand traps. 
But personally, I know it's hard to get out of your own way, partly because entrepreneurs, we tend to be control freaks, partly because the owner's vision is sort of limited by your own frame of reference. You only know what you know. So Vicky, what, what's your take? You've been done so much with EO, with your education on getting a business to the next level. What do C-level executives need to do? Well, I think getting out of your own way, getting out of your comfort zone is something that everyone needs to be pushing for. And that's one of my things, I guess. Um, I push our kids to be that way. I push our team to be that way. I push myself. I push you. Getting out of your comfort zone is where the growth happens. So that's really important. Let's say, isn't that why you got a, one kid right now in a sailboat in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and the other's about to bike across the United States of America by herself? Probably. <laughs> but I might go with her. So <laughs> I also think there's only so much time in the day. So as the owner or the CEO, you know, there's only so many hours you can work and you at the at the end of the week, you can't squeeze more time out. You need to be able to sleep. You need time with your family. So if you're working 60, 70, 80 hours, where are you going to find that extra capacity if you don't build a team and if you don't put the processes in place that you need so that you can grow the company? And, and I think that sometimes that's what holds a company back from growth is they don't work on the business because they're so busy working in the business. It sounds Absolutely. a little cliche, but it's so true. Um, and then I think bringing in the team to help lead gives you a different perspective. And then, you know, if you have a, a diverse background, diverse experiences, you're going to see different things and you might find new opportunity and you're going to get different perspective than your own perspective. And that's super, super important. You need that, you need to get around your limiting beliefs. And the only way to do that is have somebody shine that light on you. Yeah. If I can just chime in, the uh, you know the beginning of the intro for this talked about mastermind groups and you know such the value of what Tom's doing with the President's Roundtable, what Catherine's doing with the President's Roundtable, is getting that that shared perspective. I don't care how visionary you are as a leader, somebody else can see things you don't see. You've got blind spots, and if you're going to get to the next level, somebody can help point out. That's why we joined EO, so somebody can point out where your blind spots are and say, um, "Here's how I got through this before. Maybe you won't do the same thing." But maybe that's all it takes is to learn from someone else's perspective. Yeah, having that experience sharing opportunity. And I, I think that that's been eye-opening for me personally in the way we run our business. And so much of our change and our growth has come from having that um, forum or group to go to and say, here's what I'm experiencing. And they can give you their experiences and you can learn from that. You don't have to make all the mistakes yourself or you might get different perspective like I just mentioned. Well, anyway, let's wrap this up. Nobody wants to listen to the two of us talk all day. Um, Tom and Catherine, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and for everyone else, we hope you got some value from our show and we look forward to the next one. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. <laughs>